It's Bibliovile Season 3, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, I read The Gathering Storm by Robin Bridges and Mick read Sylvia Days, Captivated by You. Welcome to Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast. My name is Meg Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are back after a period of absence. I hope you enjoyed the the actual play uh, RPG that we put on, Molly's I, Monsters. I hope you also enjoyed the respite from terrible books. I know I did. Oh, I we read some terrible books anyway, but that's for book club. That's a different thing. <laughs> uh, you know, it's been a while, as the band Stained would say. We've been at Christmas... Yeah, holidays have happened. Yeah, knock on wood, no one, neither of us have gotten COVID yet. Uh, New semester started for Mick. That was pretty exciting. Um, Got to see some friends. What else has been new? What did the the friends came over recently? What were they talking about? Hmm. What are some things that are going on in the world? I mean, there was the one that the Joey got a monkey. That was one thing that friends talked about. Yeah, and then there were a lot of love triangles. Moving a a couch, something about pivot. Speaking of someone who loves triangles, we had a baby. We did. That's another thing that happened while we were on hiatus. We had a baby. Uh, He's great. He is amazing. Um, We are currently recording this with the monitor sitting on the desk, so TBD on if we're going to make it through an entire episode without having to go get him. Yeah, if you hear a rough edit point, that's why. Also, knock on wood, kid sleeps like a champ. Well, now you've done it. You've broadcast it to both of our listeners. It's gonna, <laughs> it's a jinx for sure. Um, but he's doing great. We're trying out, we're trying out nicknames because he can't land on the first one you do. Yeah, but we've been trying out referring to him as Squeaks because I don't know if you know this. Babies make a lot of squeaky noises. I don't think they do. I think he does. That's why we call them Squeaks. Squeaks. Um, so yeah, Squeaks is doing great. He's great. He's very cute. And you can't see a picture of him. Yeah. He's ever. amazing. We love him. And it's going really well. And now we had to hold these, or hold him and these books at the same time. Yeah. What are I, we going to do when he walks up to us and says, Susan? Because that's how he's going to talk to yeah. us. By first name. Uh, why are you reading that bad book? And you'll have to say, well, it's a silly thing that me and Michael do. Yeah. Because that's how he's going to address you. Yeah. His he's, father. He knows me as Michael. The thing that I'm the most worried about is that I read this book while nursing him, and I'm a little worried that, like, some of the bad books <laughs> seeped into him somehow. Yeah, you need to What are we doing have, to you, our child? You don't have the protection of the umbilical, like, membrane anymore. <laughs> no, nothing filters out the, the over-dramatic prose. All right, well, speaking of over-dramatic prose, how about this Tom Brady retirement, huh? Never mind, get to the book. Get to the book. This the people want to hear about the book, Sue. You know, I'm not sure Don't you what hear the people I'm sing? less interested in, the book that I read, or Tom Brady's retirement. Well, this podcast is only about one of them, so. We're a football podcast now? Yeah, TB12. Oh, man, I almost said we're a college football podcast, but even I know that Tom Brady is not a college student at... 41 or however old he is. Who's he play for? He plays for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He used to play for the New England Patriots, and he has won too many Super Bowls. It's my football hot take. There you go. Well, speaking of football hot takes, how about this bad book? 
You got me a vampire book set in 1800s Russia. Mm, nice. How'd you find it? I Oh, I had this, I had this grand scheme idea of, of making a pun out of every month and theming it. That was going to be my season three theme, and then uh-huh. I decided it wasn't worth it. Uh, and so I was going to do debuary and have it all be debutante. So I searched for debutante, and somehow this came up. It is not really debutante. I mean, she goes to a girl's school, and they attend a lot of balls, and she's 16-ish. <laughs> That's about as debutante as it gets. Uh, really what it's about is vampires. Nice. There's vampires in Russia, and our main character, the 16-year-old debutante, is a necromancer. Ah, the cousin of a vampire. Yeah. Um, one thing that this a book vampire did with a job. very much in the, like, as many books set in Russia do, the names are really confusing, and there are a lot of characters, and they a lot of them are related, and in the circle that our main character runs in, a lot of them are royal. And so a lot of it is like Ugh. the empress, your highness, the princess, whatever. It's just very annoying. There's also a lot of like, our main character's name is Katarina, but she often goes by Katya. And then there's like uh, Alexandrovna is what's stated as her last name because it's the daughter of Alexander. And then her brother would be Alexandrovich, which is the son of Alexander. Like the names are really confusing. Um, and I didn't really care enough to sort of keep track of who was who. And so I spent most of the time being a little puzzled about who was who. I see. Well, that's how most <laughs> Russian books go. Yeah. Uh, did they ever take a field trip to the House of uh, Special Purposes or where the Romanovs were shot? Um, no, but we do encounter the Tsar quite a bit. Um, and we do talk about getting exiled to Siberia. So there's mm. that, I guess. Was, um, the, was the Tsar walking around like... I've heard of this young upstart Japan. I think uh, uh, nothing will ever come of them. Um, no, the only, like, the big enemy nation is Montenegro. Uh, wow, because, what a, what a uh, fair fight that really drives the blood. Well, Montenegro is ruled, wouldn't you know, by evil vampires, so. Not, I suppose Transylvania is inside other empires, but still. Mm-hmm. Not, well, Montenegro is too, it's in Serbia. So Whatever. anyway, our main character, the in the opening scene of this book, I thought for a split second that you had gotten me a book that was weird, but somehow well-written and good. Um, Because the opening scene was actually like pretty interesting. It was a, so like the main character, Katarina, they're at a like fancy dinner and one of, of her classmates... Um, who she has long suspected of being a witch, poisons the Tsar's son. and Oh, if only. And uh, part of the poison was like crushed up moths. And so Katerina, who is a necromancer, and she's just starting to understand the powers that she has. And so she, in order to like reveal that his food has been poisoned, she brings the moth back to life. Um, and like the way it was written was actually like pretty pretty good but then like she's revealed her like no most people don't know that it was her but the Sarovich's brother uh knows that it was her and he's like i'm keeping an eye on you and he winds up being the male love interest and blah 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 the Sarovich's brother just be a different Sarovich yeah 
But he's not referred to as the Sarvich. He's referred to as George. Um, ah, that classic Russo name. So anyway, it's what the the conflict as we're introduced to it is that Katarina is beginning to suspect that she has these powers. She's not sure what to do with them. She's trying to keep them from everyone else. She's also really suspicious of Elena, her classmate, who she thinks is a witch, who she thinks is trying to basically slip a love potion to the Sarovich so that she can someday become Empress. That's basically what we're introduced to as the conflict. And then it gets so much more dramatic with every single page turn Yeah, in this book. And not like interesting, like effective drama, but just overwrought, over-the-top dramatic in the writing. Um, there are some funny moments, though. Uh, in the beginning, all the girls at the school are doing spa treatments to get ready for the ball, and Katarina says that I smelled like a salad, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, at one point, a character said, of course there's more to life than finding a husband. There's finding a rich, handsome husband with a title. And it's, like, supposed to be sarcastic and funny. So, like, there were some... There's some good parts. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, in terms of like what is sort of happening. To be done. Oh. Uh, so there, there was a power struggle, subtle but deadly, within the aristocracy of St. Petersburg. There was a light court and a dark court, each presided over by a powerful fairy. Everyone within the nobility aspired to be claimed by one of these ladies. Oh, one could yeah. be loyal Claimed. to either the Empress or the Grand Duchess, but everyone was loyal to the Tsar. Um, then she's kind of... No, wait. So that was metaphorical? The whole light court, dark court thing? No. There's actually a light court and dark court. Oh. But the fairies are the, the Tsar's mother and the Tsar's wife. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Um, this explains Rasputin a whole lot more. So then there's also... Just because we have a baby doesn't also mean we have a dog. So I have to go stop the dog from doing whatever he's doing. <laughs> whatever he's doing is very loud and distracting, unsurprisingly. Um, some other quotes that I will read while you are attending to the dog. Um, we lived in the strangest of times. Russia was steeped in mysticism and the occult, and science was struggling against superstition to pull the country into the future. Except you live in a place where vampires and witches and fairies are real? It was like dreaming you were in a fairy tale and knowing you should wake up but not being able to. But you are. Unfortunately, I knew for a fact that monsters and fairies existed. I might even be one of the monsters. And there was nothing science could do about it. Uh, Katya desperately wants to become a doctor. So she, like, obsessively follows around their family doctor. Um, he makes a lot of appearances in the first half of the book. And then about halfway through... Uh, he is attacked by a zombie, and uh, the male love interest uh, cuts his head off. The doctor or the zombie? The doctor, and then we never mention him again. Well, he's he's like this beloved figure that she, uh, like, he's her role model, and she wants to be just like him. And then he dies gruesomely, and we never talk about him ever again. The ironic thing is he was the only one that could cure hemophilia. Oh, no. So there goes that There goes that. Just getting more aspirin. Um, Some other dramatic lines that I marked down. I looked forward to the day when I could wear any color in public other than white. White was innocent. My soul was not. Oh, nice. She bone? Um, No, she does not. She's just dramatic. She's just emo. She's pretty emo. 
Uh, there are people in court who approach her because they under- they see the power that she has. And they tell her, you have the power to defeat you the Vladiki, which are the bad vampires. I have long suspected this, even when you were younger. You can stop their quest for dominance and save the lives of the innocents. You alone are the secret weapon against the blood drinkers. Kill the prince before his ascension and you will save many lives. This sounds like a Trump speech where he's like, Many people, folks, many people come up to me. They tell me I'm the most powerful necromancer. When it comes to blood and such things, they tell me I got to kill the blood inky. They're going to tell me I'm going to save many lives. How many? Many. Many. Many many lives. lives. People come up to me all the time. They tell me I'm the necromancer. (laughs) Okay, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. So these people in court are telling Katya that she can defeat the evil vampires. The evil vampires turn to be out turn out to be the family of her classmate Elena. What? And they are also trying to get uh they are trying to get Katya to marry their brother so that he can use her necromancer blood for his ascension ritual and become more powerful. And then these other people at court are trying to get her to marry him so that she can murder him on their wedding night. Listen, this is what I assume happens behind closed doors when royals get together. This is <laughs> this is some like uh, uh, Lyndon LaRouche stuff that I'm pretty sure I buy into. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, your life has always been in danger, Katarina. From the vampires, from the fairies, from the czar. It from is a delicate farming. balance the humans in this city dance. Um, she does wind up getting engaged to the vampire prince. But then she breaks off the engagement because he won't let her go to medical school. So you're telling me, did she know the whole thing about his ascension? Yeah. But she's like, I will. Well, don't you know, she was under a powerful love spell uh, until he told her she couldn't go to medical school. It was vodka. Maman, I said, exasperated by having had the same argument with her hundreds of times. I will never marry someone who does not accept me for who I am. And then she worries, was I being stubborn and foolish by dreaming of doing something outlandish and forbidden with my life? I did not want to be a necromancer. I did not want to be killed by vampires. And I most certainly (laughs) did not want to be stuck in a loveless marriage with nothing to do all day but change dresses and take tea with other bored women. Equally important. Equally important. Um, So then there winds up being she... Gets re-engaged to the vampire prince. He has his ascension ceremony, so he has her blood, but they don't get married. Uh, she goes to a different ball and realizes that she's in love with George, the Tsar's son. As I was dancing in his arms, I realized that I had fallen in love with someone else, someone who most likely hated me more than anything else in the world. I felt miserable. Uh... Then she has to help the czar because the evil vampires are going to go after the czar and they brought Constantine back to life. And then the czar becomes a magical creature called the Bogatir. And then she raises an army of the undead. But not like vampire undead, which are also no zombies. Yeah. Yeah. You would think a necromancer would have power over vampires, not the other way around. Um, well, they have her blood now. 
so they have some of her power, I guess. The prince had drunk my blood. We would now be forever linked. Feeling nauseated at the thought, I started sobbing miserably. How could I have let this happen? And now, with my blood, Constantine had returned. Queen Melena had not realized her sister had been using the talisman to keep her lover's soul safe. Is this like Roman Empire Constantine or a different Constantine? Different I'm... Constantine. Constantine with a K. Okay. I, apparently, he's a figure in Russian mythology. The only thing I know about Constantine with a K is that there's an emo song written about him. Uh, that's that's about it. Oh, he's a We're Russian look economist. <laughs> no, not, not the fucking YouTube dude. <laughs> a member of notable persons in the Byzantine Empire and the Christian Eastern Orthodox Church. Eh, whatever. There's a lot of them. Was he a vampire? I doubt it. <laughs> well, apparently maybe the he was. Maybe the VTuber was or whatever. Um. So yeah, she become like she is in charge now of an army of the undead, the undead knights of the Order of uh, Saint Lazarus. Yeah, I've heard of. Kind of funny. I've heard of the Red Guards, but the Gray Guards. <laughs> Um, and then the order of Lazarus is pretty funny. That I, is pretty I good. Stepped yeah. on that, but that's pretty. That's good. pretty good. Um, then, of course, after the big battle where they save the day, um, but not permanently because there's two other books in the trilogy. A trilogy? It's a trilogy. Uh, the male love interest takes her home in a carriage, and when the carriage stopped, he turned to me with those fathomless blue eyes. He wiped the tears off my face with his hand. There was something unreadable in his expression. It vibrated down deep inside me. My palm went to his cheek. Katya, he said, his voice hoarse and battle-weary. He grabbed my hand and pressed it to my lips. I can give you the sun, my duchess. Marry me. They have never had a conversation like that at all. Mm. So that came out of absolutely well, nowhere. The Gregor George saw the uh, the the end floating towards I him. I know. In the so air. he had to be dramatic. Yeah. Um, and then she tells him that she can't until Ugh. he proves something to her that I already forgot about. And she's gonna go to medical school. So she's gonna go to Zurich. Um, and so here's the last paragraph. It's a com- whoop, conversation a that she's having with her Switzerland dad. is nothing new. <laughs> Katya, do you want to remain forever in the dark ages with us, or do you want to embrace the new world of modern science? Let go of superstition and backward folk magic. She's a necromancer. Yeah, it's not backward if it works. Your future lies in Zurich, not here in St. Petersburg. I nodded, realizing he was right. But why couldn't there be a balance of old ways and new ways? What would become of the old ways if we forgot them? And what would become of me? Fucking reactionary. The end. Revolution. Counter-revolutionary. So it was just like, it was just so overwrought and dramatic the entire writing and style of it was. Huh. And it, well, yeah. Um, and it, I suppose that makes sense given that it, it like, your main character is An a- emo? Yeah. 16-year-old- Russian, like turn yes. of the century Russian. So. Yeah, so of course it was going to be dramatic, but it was still kind of annoying to read. Mm. So yeah, that was uh, The Gathering Storm by Robin Bridges. Very nice. I'm glad I had that written down because I absolutely would not have remembered. I almost forgot the main character's name. Speaking of forgetting the character's name, I, I'm here to tell you about the book Sylvia Day, I mean, uh, Captivated by You by Sylvia Day. Now... And Mick, you 
read this whole book, right? Was it a huge accomplishment to, you know, finish a book with a newborn? You just felt really good about, you know, finishing a whole book We've even with had a newborn baby? Many, many people ask us, why do you take the time to do this podcast? This is too much time. You shouldn't take that time. And I've always kind of waved them away like it's a hobby, you know? Yeah, it takes a while, especially those bad books. It sounds really long. Or it feels really long, but like... It's something we enjoy doing. It's a great time. And then I had a child and I'm like, oh, I get it. I get why everybody thought this was a maniac thing to do. Because most of the people telling us that have a baby or have children. And uh, who boy, do you realize what you're giving up to sit down and read these books? So this is our way of telling you that now that we've come back from a hiatus, we're actually quitting Bibliophile. Yeah, one season three, episode one. <laughs> Thus ends Bibliovato. He's eighteen. Season premiere and finale. Which is yeah, we were th- trying to figure out other stuff we could do rather than real books. Uh, we could just do the worst children's books ever and have Squeaks on board once he's young. That would be very funny. Um, I like it because it's purple. I actually thought about that as a way of like announcing that we were having babies, doing a children's book episode, but uh-huh. we now. already had a baby, so that makes sense. All right. This book is bad. And I got, <laughs> the end. I got uh, over a quarter of the way through it, so that's good. Over a third of the way through it, almost. <laughs> I got almost over a yeah, third of the way through it. Almost over a third of the way through it. That's um, really some rationalizing. I was holding a bottle to my baby's lips while I was reading page one, and it was uh, not good. Um, and so I'll come back to the reason I quit, because the reason I quit, I think, is possibly, I hope after I say it, uh, you understand why. But uh, this is apparently a sequel to what? I don't really know. I think this might be four. The Crossfire novels, Bared to You, ref- Jesus. Bared to You. Yeah. Reflected in you, entwined with you, and now captivated by you. I gotta say, one of the reasons that I picked this book is that the name of the author is gigantic and the name of the title is much smaller and then also when you flip it to the back where the description normally is it's just a big picture of the author no summary at all yeah and then there's a little word that says mature audience above the the, uh, (laughs) price tag which i'm sure helped her uh yeah there's no summary it's on the inside flap this is a paperback so it's not like that happens a lot um so it's usually quite funny to get each other the sequel books and in this case it was just mean uh, because I know I'm just kidding. Uh, because I don't know how much of this I'm already supposed to know or whatever. Yeah. Um, because their relationship to each other and their history to each other and the characters, little quirks and histories from what I saw were not developed or explained at all. But her physical form was described every single time she walked into the room. So were like, her boobs bouncing boobily? Uh, they were not, uh... No, they were not bouncing whatever, but uh, she does on page three uh, is described as having lush tits. Gross. Uh, Petite and built a man to take a man to his knees. She often pointed out how different she was from the women I'd been photographed with before her. Ugh. Um, I will say that this guy. I'm different than other girls. <laughs> I will, but it's not like a, a sports thing. It's I'm way too hot for Yeah. Um. I will say that this is our first sex book wife guy. Oh, He's quite no. the wife guy. Oh, no. Uh, I sat at my desk and woke my computer with a shake of the mouse, taking a sl- deep, slow breath as my wife's face filled my monitor. 
She wore no makeup in that photo that was my desktop wallpaper, and a smattering of light freckles on her nose made her appear younger than her 24 years. Uh, yeah, so she he's quite the wife when guy. When you see pictures of me, does it take your breath away? Uh, not quite. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, he's, he's very wife guy, but she's got lush tits. Uh, she's got gray eyes, of course. Of course she does. Do they change color? Is one of them purple? Uh, no, just uh, gray from what I saw. Um, he loves his wife who is curvy. I made sure to point out. (laughs) I love my curvy wife. Uh, She said, I woke up missing you. She replied with a throaty voice that never failed to make me hard. Hey, good morning. (laughs) If you get a boner every single time your wife speaks to you, that's rough, buddy. Like, <laughs> hey, did you pay the mortgage this week? Oh, God. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, our main character is Gideon, and his wife's name is Eva. Uh, his knuckles popped as his hands fisted. Ugh. And so I wrote down, one of these, huh? <laughs> uh, a thesaurus book. Yeah. Um... It takes an anti-therapy uh, uh, it's, gr- it's a great message um, in this day and age. He, She's basically saying, I have to go to uh, L.A. for reasons I don't know. And, oh, but an ex-boyfriend is in L.A. and you have to see him. It never came up again. She saw him, but it didn't seem like she had to because she saw him and turned right around and left again. Who fucking cares? I don't. Uh, and so now he's like, but you like that guy, so I need to want to punch the drywall. He's one of, he's one of those. Gross. You're supposed to trust me. I told you because I didn't want you to get weird vibes and jump to conclusions. I wanted to be honest about you so you wouldn't feel threatened. I'm going to see Dr. Travis this weekend and shrinks aren't a cure-all. Don't you yell at me. I fought my urge to slam my fist to the plaster pot. It's one of these. Oh, good. That sounds really healthy. We're not running to the damn doctor every time we've got a problem. It's you and me in this marriage and nobody will... Oh, this is also a fun little... uh. Her chin lifted, her jaw taking on the determined slant that drove me crazy. What's that look like? Yeah, I look like looks a Habsburg. Like, looks like Kira Knightley when she's Love having emotions. actually. <laughs> um, Very but chin anyway, forward. That drove me crazy. She never gave me an inch unless my cock was inside her. Ew. Then she gave me everything. Oh my God. Ew. Uh, the first eight pages are like a thesis statement for this kind of book. It's got everything in eight pages. Hard cocks, need, uh, violence against drywall and other objects. <laughs> hunger. Uh, uh, hunger, uh, holding someone in place who's trying to leave and says, Love let me that. go. Love and that. And then ideas about, I'm too broken, you can't fix me. Eight uh, pages. So very really, healthy. And so I was like, I've already read this book. I don't, yeah. like, I, eight pages, I'm done, right? Um, so they're having a fight about this thing. And then they have a safe word. But it's him who says it. He's the one that's like dragging her back into the room. And then it's him who says it. And she goes, Eva froze at the sound of my words, blah, blah, blah. It was in that eye of the storm that something snapped. A fierce and familiar quiet exploded within me. Silence of the panic shaking. So like his safe word, their safe word was used to basically shut her up so that he could talk more, I guess. I don't know. Weird. Um, I didn't find this out until later. But their safe word is the name of the business that he owns. And if that's not some fucking capitalist, like, sociopath bullshit, I don't even know. He's, would you believe it, a corporate mogul who's at war. Oh, go to the mattresses. 
Yeah, gotta go to the mattresses for corporations. We gotta merge our way into... Oh, actually, speaking of that, uh, business words, page 37. Uh, so she's gonna give him a blowy under a desk for a Zoom meeting. Uh, and this is the most... Because that's get... what business guys with curvy wives do. Yeah. Um, this is the most we get of actual, like, uh, th- from what I read, the 100 pages I read, this is the most we get of actual sex in this book because it describes his cock and we'll get to other words that he uses. Uh, but oftentimes when they're about to start fucking, it, like, cuts to yeah. the next scene. And so it's like, what do you... Okay. Um, so he has to get onto the call. Uh, I have to go to where they start talking. Excuse the delay, I said briskly as Eva took more of me. Now that you've had the chance to review the deck, let's discuss the steps you'll be taking to implement the recommended adjustments. This other guy talks. I'd like more time to review this, he said, but off the cuff, I'm thinking this is a seriously accelerated schedule. Some of this is great, and I'm excited to see what we can do with it, but phasing into consumer beta testing is at least a year away. That's what you told me six months ago. Uh, and so it's just... Buzzwords! Buzzwords about business, business words. Buzz. Business words. Uh, so it was pretty funny to get business words. Uh, her mom, His mom stops by because apparently they, they got engaged and married at the end of the previous book, I'm guessing. Uh-huh. Uh, he's very... Freud would have a field day with the descriptions of his mom's hair being parted back, her tight skirt, uh, and her, and I quote, pretty pink lips. Describing his mom. Describing his mom. Gross. After she gives him a blowy in his office, he has like a, well, this is After the before. mom gives him? No, no the, the wife. wife. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is technically before the blow. He has like opacity controls. He's like a glass office. Ah, and yes. he turns it to black after his wife comes in like, now they won't know we're fucking. And it's like, it's also glass, but they'll hear you. Yeah. Uh, and then they, she gives him a blowy under the desk. They end the call by him coming. Um, Gross. And then- they fuck on the desk, but that's cut away, right? And so he comes back. She's sitting in, like, his office chair, like, oh, in the afterglow, you fucked my brains out. Uh, and he has a wet washcloth, and he kneels in front of her in the office chair to wash her. And Why it's like, do they always do that? What is up books? with that? I don't get it. And it's like, maybe, I don't know. I don't want to get TMI, but maybe I'm, we're missing out on some intimacy quadrant or something where I'm supposed to take care of you after sex. But it's like, just go to the bathroom, and then we'll go back. We'll fall asleep. It's great. Yeah. I don't have to wash you with a washcloth like you're a baby. It's so weird. Also, he's in the middle of his office, and he just, where does he find the washcloth? There's a bathroom in his glass-walled office, apparently. Brings the washcloth. (laughs) It's so weird. It wouldn't be that weird if it didn't happen a lot. In so many of these books, but I feel like in every book where that happens, it's weird. Like it all, it's yeah. It don't so it. it's it's great or it's terrible. I've got a general idea about this book. I'm almost done because uh, I'm getting to the end. But my my big quote that will show you why I quit. I think will take more time than you're willing to uh, listen to. Um, so they're in Los Angeles. He doesn't tell her he's coming to watch or San Diego. He doesn't tell her that he's coming over to the West Coast as well to watch her. To spy on yeah. her because he doesn't trust her. But he also has her. business. There's a subplot about a sex tape. I was skimming really heavily, I'll admit, but I still was like, okay, there's a sex, it's been solved. There's a sex tape and it's been solved, apparently. She has okay. a sex tape and it's been solved. 
and then there's this other guy that she fucked before with on the sex tape, but now it's been solved because she saw that rock star boy trying to or making out and assumedly like having sex with the girl from the music video that was very clearly supposed to represent her and so she's over it or whatever and so he goes back to his hotel and he's really mad but he has the sex tape and he wants to watch it which i'm assuming is the rest of the plot where like he watches the sex tape and now they don't know if they could trust each other because she had sex before gross my chest my he's doing push-ups my chest heaved with exertion Knowing Eva was out clubbing with Carrie, her friend, and some of their SoCal friends only sharpened the edge I hovered on. I knew how primed she got when she was drinking and dancing. I loved nailing her when her body was damp and steamy with perspiration. Oh her- my god, I hate this. Uh, you jumped in a little bit too soon because Dickinson's going to say a word. Oh no. Loved nailing her when her body was damp and steamy with her perspiration. Her cunt slick and greedy. Jesus, my dick throbbed and hardened further. My arms trembled as I neared the point of muscle fatigue. You know what's really good for boners? I hate this so much. Using the rest of your muscles. I hate this so much. You know how you get a big, huge hard-on when you're doing exercise all the time? I hate that they referred to her downstairs as greedy. I hate it. I hate it so much. But It's the cocky monster. Oh, gross. No, no. <laughs> please unsay that. I can't. Listen to this. Can ter- I please unhear it? No, listen to this terrible sentence and then listen to the rest no. of the terrible paragraph. No. no, it's not. It's not that kind of terrible. It's bad writing. Oh, Pride dear. swelled my chest. <laughs> I don't know how to describe that in English words. It's not it's not passive voice, but yeah. it's not good. No. Anger curved my spine (laughs) you're you're mixing around the subject and the object there you go uncovered by the lack of makeup the dusting of freckles on her nose made her adorable her body told you that she was a dream to fuck the confidence in her posture told you that she'd take no shit from anyone and the mischievous amusement in her eyes told you that there would never be a dull moment she was every promise every hope every fantasy a man could have and hate, she was mine. I hate this so much. Also, that's on page 87. I yeah, feel like that's no. an introducing the character kind oh, of yeah. description. But we don't need to hear anything about like how they met or who they are. No. Of course not. Okay. So the reason I had to stop reading is because it's gross uh, for a lot. Or it was gross in a lot of different ways. But the reason I had to stop reading is because despite skimming, it didn't feel like I was, I was both moving forward like we were back in New York or wherever, yeah. I assume New York, but also nothing was happening despite yeah. skimming. And the reason for it is this. This plot is just circular conversations that keep happening. It's like watching a child try, try to draw the steam coming out of a train. Like it circles, it's moving in a certain direction, but it's just circling over and over again. Yeah. So this is a longer than usual quote, but I need you to understand the thing that just made me say, if this is what the rest of the book is going to be, then no, right? I, I just can't do it. So I'm going to take a drink before I can go. So Sue, how, how are you doing? Well, you read that one sentence about her downstairs being greedy, and I'm pretty deeply unhappy now. I was yeah. I was doing really well before. Don't say downstairs. You're not the world's wor- the the worst missionary or whatever. <laughs> that book was. All right. 
So she is a friend, Megumi, who is missing for about a week, and then she comes back and she wants a private lunch. And the thing that made me officially quit was that it, we find out it was non-consensual BDSM. And I'm like, that's just uh, torture. Um, yeah. But in either case, uh, she's looking for a place to have a private lunch. She wants someplace quiet. I've got an idea that Eva says, leave it to me. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I called Gideon's office and his secretary answered. Hey, Scott, it's Eva. How are you? I'm good. I could hear the smile in his voice. What can I do for you? My feet tapped rest restlessly. Could you ask Gideon to give me a call when he has a free moment? I'll pass you through now. Oh, okay, great. Thanks. Hang on. A moment later, I heard the voice I loved. What do you need, Eva? I was startled for a minute by his brusqueness. Are you busy? I'm in a meeting. Oh, fuck my bad bye. Eva. I hung up, then called Scott again to discuss how we should handle calls in the future so I didn't come out looking like an ass. Before he answered, the secondary line flashed with an incoming call. I switched over. Mark Garrity's office. Don't ever hang up on me, Gideon snapped. I bristled at his tone. Are you in a meeting or not? I was. Now I'm dealing with you. Hell, if anyone was going to deal with me, I could be as pissy as him any day of the week. You know, I asked Scott to give you a message when you had time for it, and he patched me through. He shouldn't have done that. If you were busy with, he has standing orders to always connect your calls. If you want to leave me a message, send a text or email. Well, excuse me for not knowing the etiquette for getting in touch with you. Never mind that now. Say what you need. Nothing. Forget it. He exhaled roughly. Don't play games with me, Angel. He calls her Angel, and she calls him Ace. Ugh. I was reminded the last time I called him at work and how off he'd sounded then too. If something was bugging him, he sure wasn't sharing it. I hunched over my desk and this lowered is so my voice. Fucking boring. Gideon, your attitude pisses me off. I don't want to deal with you when you're aggravated. If you're too busy to talk to me, you shouldn't have standing orders to interrupt you. This I'm is never so going to be unreachable. Deeply really? unhealthy. Because you seem that way right now. But for also fuck's sake. really fucking Hearing his boring. exasperation gave me a surge of satisfaction. It's gross. I didn't text you because I didn't want to bother you in a meeting. I didn't send an email because it's a time-sensitive favor and I don't know how to get you. Often you get to your inbox. I figured a message with Scott would get the job done best. And now you have my complete attention. Tell me what you want. I want to get off the phone and I want you to get back to your meeting. What you're going to get, he said with dangerous evenness, is me at your desk if you don't cut the shit and explain why you called. Oh, I glared at his photo. You make me want my. to find a job in New Jersey. God. You made me cry or crazy, he growled softly. I can't function when you were fighting. You know that. Just say what you need, Eva, and forgive me now. We can argue and have makeup sex later. The tension left me. How could I stay mad at him if he, after he admitted how vulnerable I could make him? Damn you, I muttered. I hate when you get reasonable after irritating me. He made a low sound of reluctant amusement. I instantly felt better. Angel mine. His voice took on the se sexy, raspy warmth I needed to hear. Definitely not a quiet, comfortable ornament. I could be sleeping right now. What are you talking about? Don't worry about it. You're perfect. Tell me could why you called. Could be doing laundry I right knew now? that tone. I turned him on could somehow. Could be cleaning the kitchen. You're a maniac. Seriously. Lucky me. Could be holding my baby. Anyway, Ace, I want to see if I could borrow one of your conference rooms for lunch with Megumi. She's back, but she's a mess, and I think she needs to talk about it, but there's really not a good place to go nearby that's could private and quiet. Could be doing literally anything other than Use this. Use my office. I'll have something ordered in. You'll have the space to yourself while I'm out. For real? Of course. However, I have to remind you that when you work for Cross Industries, you'll have your own office to lunch in. My head fell back. Shut up. Now they go to the office. That was almost two full page, three full pages for, hey, can I use your office? Yes. That you remember was that so feeling you felt? Unhealthy and 
deeply boring. I know it's terrible. It's bad podcasting, bad audio to be like, I have something very boring to read our listeners. <laughs> but like, you need to understand that that was the whole book was them doing that over God. and over again in the least healthy and least exciting and yeah. least productive way possible. It, it's not driving the plot forward. It's not really, I guess it's telling us more no, about their relationship, sort of. But like, this is like their 18th fight that they promised to fuck over. Nothing, nothing was accomplished by that other than me experiencing some deep regret. So remember how you're like, instead of listening to this, I could be doing something. Yeah. It's like, yeah, instead of reading it, I could be doing something yeah, too. Yeah, that's fair. So <laughs> I think I got the general vibe of this book in eight pages and I managed to stay through a hundred. So when you think about it, it was basically like I read this book uh, 12 times. I mean, you did a really good job. Thank you. Yeah. I deserve I'm it. I'm so proud of you, Meg. After you all the work that's gone great... into me having birth, yeah, pumping you, you and having birth, you yeah. having birth, man. All the sleepless nights I've spent pumping, mm-hmm. you know, all the time I spend on the couch, mm-hmm. pinned down. The soreness and the hunger. Yeah, and, yeah, stitches, the whole thing. Yeah. You know, I just really hope that our audience realizes what a true hero you are. I have made the most sacrifices. You really have. A hundred whole pages. A hundred whole pages. Captivated by you. I had to look. By Sylvia Day. Sylvia Day. Oh, that'll be a day. Uh, I do anyway. like that your last note is literally done. I got places to be. <laughs> yeah, well. Oh, anyway. Anyway, that's Biblioville. We're back, baby. And hopefully next time we'll read a whole book. <laughs> hey, I read my own book. I'm is the royal we. <laughs> the Zarevich we. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we missed doing this quite a bit. I hope the absence uh, only made the heart grow fonder. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Susan J. That's S with three U's. S-A-N-J. You can find me at on Twitter at Dickima and the podcast on Twitter at Bibliovile. The intro music to our podcast we is... We could change it if we wanted to. It's season three. It's the time for change. But I have no ideas for which to, for what to change it to. So I we'll like just, it. Okay, we'll keep it. The intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. We'll keep it until they try to make their child open some beans. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>